I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, Episode 4. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Not a week goes by that I don't need the encouragement that this week's song brings me. In this episode, we will take a deep look into Mandisa's song, Overcomer. If you've not heard the song yet, I have links to the music video and official lyrics videos in the show notes, as well as a link to buy it on iTunes. Just head on over to michellekneesat.com forward slash four. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to get email notification every time I post a new podcast or blog. So let's get right into this episode. We learned in episode two that there are trials that we encounter that may actually be good and perfect gifts from God, and that these trials and these troubles are designed to help us grow and develop endurance. However, we live in an imperfect world full of people and circumstances that are contrary to the original plan of God. This world has barriers to keep us from the loving relationship that God desires to have with us. There are many things that act as obstacles in our lives that we need to overcome. And this idea leads us to this week's verse. 1 John 5.5 Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So this week, we're going to dig a little deeper into the words found in this verse and the context around it to really understand if you can boldly claim the words of this song. To begin, let's look closely at the question that John, the assumed author of this letter, is asking. Now, I refer to John as the assumed author because there are only two books in the New Testament, Hebrews and John, that are not actually signed by the author. And so I did a little research and found a pretty in-depth and thorough article that really explains why we can assume that 1 John was written by John. And if you are into that kind of thing, you can read the whole article. I have a link to it in my show notes. But just be confident that we're pretty sure that John, 1 John was written by John and uh, that who is who the author is. But back to his question. John is asking, who is it that overcomes the world? His answer, only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 
Well, I want to be an overcomer, but what exactly am I overcoming by believing that Jesus is the Son of God? So, of course, you know, I'm going to do a word study. And so I looked at the word world listed in this verse. So what it means in Greek or the translation or transliteration is cosmos literally translates the world. And I think you are familiar with a word that we use in the English language, cosmos, that also comes from this word. But what does it really mean? So just like a word in the English language, depending on the context, the nuance of the word will change. Similarly, this is the case with this word cosmos or world. So in this context of this verse in 1 John 5, the word world means worldly affairs, or more specifically, the riches, advantages, pleasures of this world, which although hollow, frail, and fleeting, stir desire and seduce us from God and are obstacles to the cause of Christ, What a profound statement. Again, the world can be defined as obstacles to the cause of Christ. Or another way to look at it, the incentive to sin. Now, I love this idea that we are obstacles or overcomers, I'm sorry, of the obstacles in our lives as there are many. But most specifically, not the troubles that cause us to grow. Remember, we talked about that, that that could actually be a good and perfect gift. We're talking about the obstacles that incentivize us to sin, not just trouble in general, but the troubles that lead us to sin. So let's talk about the obstacles that incentivize us to sin. There are, these are also described as temptations in the book of James. It's so interesting that I just keep going back to the book of James. It wasn't a planned thing, but I think that it means that we need to sit and read it. Remember, just five chapters the book of James, but in James chapter one, it talks about temptations and it says, remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Again, that's found in James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. So these temptations, again, are obstacles or these incentives to sin. And they are, you know, I'm really talking about those hollow and frail and fleeting desires that is implied in this word cosmos or world. Those ones that feel good, but maybe aren't good. And we see them every day. I don't know if you watch television or the news, but we see it, the cheating cheating on our taxes, cheating on our spouses, cheating on our relationships, or stealing from our workplace or stealing from others through dishonest gain, or lying, lying to ourselves or to those we love. These are all obstacles that we can overcome. Now, those are temptations. But what about the obstacles in our lives that the enemy intends for evil, but that God may intend for good or at least can redeem for good? You have the enemy on one side who is the accuser. That is one of the names given to him. And I can think of no better name than the accuser. And then you have on the other side, God, who is our redeemer. So even if you take a wrong path or head a wrong direction, he can redeem those steps or buy those steps back from you to allow you to overcome obstacles in your life. But I'm also thinking about these obstacles that maybe um, come upon us through no fault of our own, but just because we do live in a sinful world and that 
things like sickness and um, sin are, are prevalent in our society and in our world. I'm talking about hard times or financially hard times or emotionally hard times. I'm talking about sickness, maybe difficult relationships. These things can really break us down and devastate us. And they can also kind of incentivize us to sin or pull us away. Everybody's been down, hit the bottom, hit the ground. Ooh, you're not alone. Just take a breath, don't forget, hang on to his promises. He wants you to know. When I was researching the story behind the song, I found a video, and I've linked to it in my show notes, where Mandisa talks about what she was thinking about when she wrote the song and other songs on this album. She specifically talks about her struggle with weight loss, and she also talks about a friend who got breast cancer while she was pregnant. These are big obstacles that can lead us away from God or straight into his arms. I'm sure you have your own that are burdensome and weighing you down, like a weight on your shoulders that lie on you like a big heavy blanket at night that just weigh you down. And I just want you to understand that there is an enemy that wants to paint a false picture of God in our hearts. He has been playing this game from the very beginning. All you have to do is read Genesis chapter 3, just three chapters into the story of man on earth, and see that Satan is already questioning God's intentions and planting seeds of mistrust in the heart of man. Now, last week, we played an opposite game. You remember that? I think we said hot and cold, long and short, life and death. We talked about that. Well, I want to play that game a little further again today. If I say the, a word mistrust, what is the opposite of that? Mistrust? Trust. Mistrust is the opposite of trust and is the root of disbelief toward God. And while doubt is not a sin, unbelief is. I want you to understand that mistrust causes us to attribute evil intentions to God. We are going to be accusing God of not having our best interests in mind. And who in the Bible is called the accuser, but Satan himself. He is our enemy. And so the Israelites did this over and over and over again in the Old Testament. And at one point, God even asks this in Numbers chapter 14. He says, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all of the signs I have done among them? When we mistrust God, we are treating him with contempt. We are treating the very God who has given everything to save us with contempt. And I know why. Because we have an accuser in our ear talking to us about these burdens, about these obstacles, about this sickness, about the difficulties that we really need to overcome. And he's accusing God for these things. Again, we just need to understand that that is the root of disbelief, mistrusting that God has our best intention at heart. So again, it could be our very sin nature, the enemy of our souls, or just tough times that lead us to mistrust God. All of these things of the world of cosmos can be overcome. But why and how can we claim this for ourselves? We can claim this for ourselves if we, quote, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, unquote, just like in our verse, 1 John 5, 5. 
It brings us to the context of our feature verse this week, because again, context is everything. Remember, context might be the verses just around the verse that we're studying, and that's where it is today. So when I go to the beginning of the the first letter from John, again, it doesn't say it's from John like we've seen in other places. It does talk about how the author is writing about what he himself has seen, and it says, quote, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And if I jump to the end of the letter, I see in verse 13 of 1 John chapter 5 that the author is writing to those, quote, who believe in the name of the Son of God that they may know, that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, some of you listening might come from a background that teaches that you can't know that you have eternal life. But I think it's pretty clear here in the Bible, in God's word, that you can know. It says it right there quite clearly. I think I would be remiss if I didn't talk about how, however, because this promise that we can overcome is only to those who are followers of Christ. And I long for you to become a follower of Christ. So let's read those context verses. First John 5, I'm going to jump to that first verse in the chapter. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I read verses 1 through 5 and then jumped to verse 13 there. Now verse 1 tells us that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. We must not just believe that Jesus is or that he existed, but we need to accept that he is the Christ or the Messiah or the Savior, but more specifically, that I believe that he is my Savior. But who needs a Savior except those who need saving from something? And that something is sin. Romans 3.23 teaches that we have all sinned and fall short. All of us, me, you, your pastor, the one you hold in highest regard, and the one that you hold in lowest regard, all of us have sinned. And that scripture also teaches that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That might be one of the most common verses that you've ever heard, John 3.16. So we need to accept that we've all, that we've sinned and believe that Jesus is who he says he is and accept his gift of salvation. And belief in that verse in John 3.16 really means faith in or trust wow, here we are back to the idea of trust and that one of the biggest things that one of the things that obstacles in our lives that we need to overcome can do is lead us to mistrust. But where God really wants to lead us is trust in him. Finally, another area of scripture tells us that we need to confess with our mouths, with our out loud words, that Jesus is our Lord. Romans chapter 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. 
As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. There we go again with trust. So it's as simple as ABC. A, admit our sin. B, believe in Jesus. And C, confess with our mouths and we will be saved. So let's go back to our verse and the context of verses right around it because God has not only saved me from something, but for something. He saves us from our sins and has saved us for obedience. So we're not exchanging one burden from another, like burden of sin to the burden of obedience, because the scripture says right there that his commands are not burdensome. But here's what I don't want you to miss. Our faith in Christ is what leads us to be victorious overcomers. If you've never accepted Christ as Savior, please don't wait. You can do it right now. Remember, A, B, C. Admit you're a sinner, believe in Jesus as your Savior, and confess with your out loud words that you are accepting his free gift of salvation, and you will be saved. You're still not sure that you are saved? Well, just repeat after me. It's as simple as this. Repeat, God, I admit I am burdened with sin. I believe you sent your son to die for my sin. I accept this free gift of salvation. I now confess that you are my Lord. Amen. Now, even now, you can claim that his promises for your life because they are for you, sweet child of God. Because of Christ, you are an overcomer. So belt it out with confidence and know that you are not alone. He is holding you. So if you prayed those words today or ever, you can boldly belt it out with Mandisa. In conclusion, I encourage you to dive into the context around 1 John 5, 5. Just like the letter of James, 1 John John has only five chapters. It is chock full of amazing, life-changing truth that will begin to change the way you think. You could read 1 John in just one sitting. It would be a great place to hang out all week. And as God begins to reveal new things to you, I would be honored if you would jump on Facebook, Twitter, or my blog and share your comments so that we can all rejoice in your growth together, especially if you accepted Christ as your Savior today. So finally, as we wrap up, just a few quick announcements. I have created memory verse resources to go along with this lesson that you can download and print out to place strategically in your home, car, or office to remind you of 1 John 5, 5. I have also created desktop and smartphone wallpapers with 1 John 5, 5 front and center. And to get these resources free each week, you'll need to subscribe to my blog. It's super easy on the homepage, michellekneesat.com. There's a subscribe now area where you just give me your name and email address. It's that easy. Finally, my next podcast will be on Dara McLean's Wanted. If you have a question or comment about this topic or song, please leave me a voicemail message at michellekneesat.com forward slash podcast question. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. I'd be grateful if you would rate my podcast on iTunes. 
This will help tremendously to keep my podcast visible so people who have never heard of it can discover it. Just go to michellekneesat.com forward slash review and it will take you to the page that you can click to launch iTunes and leave a review. If you've already done this, thank you so much. I'm grateful. If you'd like to comment on this episode, please go to michellekneesat.com forward slash four where you'll find the show notes for this episode and scroll down to the comment section. I would love to hear from you. Comment, question, or whatever. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.